Deep Faith Nine, Season 4. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Deep Faith Nine podcast for the second episode in Season 4, an exciting episode, one that's a little bit different, called The Visitor. And because of that, uh, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different today, but I'll get onto that in just a moment after I give you the synopsis. The episode begins, as all good stories and novels do, on a dark and stormy night. Jake Sisko, now an old man, is living alone in a house in the bio. He gets an unexpected visit from Melanie. She's an aspiring writer and considers Jake to be her favourite author. She was surprised that he published only two works, and at the age of 40, Jake simply stopped writing. Melanie wants to know why. Jake starts telling her the story of how his father died in an accident on The Defiant. Benjamin and Jake went to see the wormhole undergo a subspace inversion. And that only happens once in several decades. Something was wrong, however, and the warp core was about to breach. After repairing it, Sisko was hit by a beam and disappeared. A few months later, things were returning to normal for Jake, but suddenly he saw his father in his bedroom, only to disappear a moment later. And this was not the only time his father appeared to him. This is a fascinating take on um, the, uh, the the lost in time kind of story uh, and gives us a glimpse into what might be or could be with a number of our favourite characters as we watch them age and mature and reach their goals and, uh, and also see Jake not meet his goals. Originally, I had invited um, uh, novelist Morris Broaddus to come and um, speak with me in relation to this one, but Morris has uh, had to... Um, deal with a few things with the upcoming release of his his new book Uh, and so uh, I'll be catching up with him a bit later on in the year Um, but I thought a different angle from the novelist uh, sci-fi writer angle would be uh, as a father to talk to two of my sons and so my guests today are Elliot Nicholas and Charlie Nicholas. Elliot who is 18 years of age the same age as Jake is portrayed in this story at the beginning And Charlie is 12, only a year older than when Jake lost his mother uh, on the Saratoga at the beginning of the Deep Space Nine series. We're going to talk a little bit today about a whole range of different things and grief, growing, supporting people through grief. Um, But um, I I wanted to begin by welcoming my guests today. Uh, How are you today, Charlie? Uh, I am very good. I have had the best day. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you could be here on the podcast today. Uh, And Elliot. Yes, thank you. It's good to be here. So uh, normally I ask some icebreaker questions. Both of you have been on the podcast before, so I don't need to ask you when you first started watching Deep Space Nine because you've already told me that another time. But um, I guess I wanted to ask you, uh, um, have you got a a favourite episode of Deep Space Nine or um, what have you been watching or enjoying in the area of science fiction at the moment? Oh, goodness. Um, I I don't necessarily know the actual name of the episode, but I love, I don't know why I love it so much, but I love the episode where... Um, there is a, uh, there are, uh, a group of, um, what's it called? There are a group of Vulcans that, that come on board Deep Space Nine and, um, you know, there's this whole anything you can do, I can do better type thing between oh. Benjamin Sisko oh, yes. and the other two. The famous there we go, that one. Episode. I love that one. I don't know why I love it, yes. but I love the fact that, that Benjamin has such a, I don't know, he, he, he has this whole you know, you can't tell me what to do type thing. And even though you're a Vulcan and you're bigger than me and stronger than me, I, uh, you know, um, I have human emotions. So that, that makes me better because I can feel. So 
great. Well, that's a season seven episode. Um, we'll look forward to watching that episode. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I, I definitely I'll have nice. you back in for that one. Um, I'm just trying to actually leaf through my my documents here to see if I can spot what it was called. I think it was called "Take Me Out to the Holodeck," um, because um, it's uh, it's an episode about baseball. But yes, a fabulous episode. And Charlie, what about you? What what would your favourite episode be? Well, well, there will always be a place in my heart for the episode that my first appearance on the podcast was for. Mm-hmm. What was it called? Uh, um, home. It was something home, but I. It was. I think it was called that. Yes. I really like um, talking about it, but the one that sticks in my mind the most is the one where Ben Cisco, I think, visits his dad's shop. Yep. And they have this argument. I'm not sure why I remember that one the most, but. Well, that that one's coming up only uh, in a little while. It's about halfway through this series. Oh. It's called uh, Homefront, uh, and it's it's uh, it's a fascinating episode. So it's great. And and look, there are so many memories. Sometimes when I'm watching Deep Space Nine, I get my own memories mixed up and confused with the memories of the people on uh, on board. So um, it's wonderful to do that. Now today we're going to be talking about this episode called The Visitor. Um, and um, I guess uh, it'd be great to uh, hear some first impressions uh, and then we can talk through um, and see where the conversation takes us. Um, I, I, I'll go first because usually I don't get to go first, but but for me this was quite a moving story um, about um, growing old. Uh, I found myself uh, uh, humming along that whole father son um uh, kind of by cat stevens you know um it's not time to make a change um uh, you know that that, that kind of father son and also i i felt that there was something of the deeper water by paul kelly an australian artist uh, in this one as well as we as we kind of see we get an opportunity to glimpse into um the generational change um for for jake uh, and that really struck me um, as uh, his father stops aging, but the son continues to age. And at the end, we have that touching scene where Cisco reaches out and says, my son, you're so old, and he hasn't aged today. Um, what, what are your first impressions um, as you um, explore this? Well, um, the first scene, or I'm not sure if it's the first scene, but when I can see the hand, um. I had that in my mind thinking, well, who's that hand? Because it could be three possible, um, it, it could have been three possible people. I didn't, it, I, when I first saw it, I didn't expect for it to be Jake. And the, the way that they told the story had some sort of fluency that made me just think, this was scripted really well. Mm. I I enjoyed um I enjoyed the fact that Jake Cisco has a passion for writing and a passion for storytelling and this entire episode was a story was like he he told the story so I thought it was very I thought that was very nice I thought it was it was good that it wasn't anyone else so and, and look, from the very beginning of getting to know Jake Sisko, um, very early on we we hear about his passion for, for writing stories. He, he explores being a journalist. He wants to write novels. Um, he um, has been accepted into the Pennington Institute uh, in New Zealand um, to be able to learn writing. So, um, you know, the, the, he's, 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 his writing is a passion, but it's also acknowledged. He's, he's been recognised that... that uh, that he's not only passionate about writing, but he's actually good at it. Um, but he, I found it really challenging that um, because of the grief that he experienced and the trauma of, of losing but not losing his dad, he throws all of that away and at the age of 40 becomes a, becomes a scientist, which he has like absolutely no passion for except for the fact that he feels an obligation to look for his dad. Uh, yeah, I thought it was quite... Um, it was quite interesting to see the sudden change, but it's also, it's understandable because there's that unresolved, there's a closure issue there. There's no, 
because he's not dead. He's just stuck in the time of when he got electrocuted on the Defiant. Like that's that's exactly where he is. So so he's been in and out for about a few minutes, whereas like. 30 years have passed by and so so that unresolved and the fact that he keeps coming back into Jake's life that is probably what's even more traumatizing because it's it's closed it, it it hasn't received closure so it hasn't resolved itself but it keeps opening itself like it, it keeps coming back so there's mm. no time for for you to there's there's no period of time where it's finished and you can heal yourself through time it just keeps happening so yeah i think it's i think that's worse in that situation i think from a different perspective one of my biggest fears is being alone cuz i'm a i'm a big people person so to be in ben sisko's position where this this moment he's stuck in that moment where one, he's probably just experienced a bunch of pain, and two, he's in the middle of nowhere. Like, mm. there's nobody that he cares about or loves anywhere to be seen. You would have to. And, and like, when Jake goes to that place, we get to see it um, and 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 see what it looks like and see what what's visible there. You would have to get some major hobby to be able to pass that time. And and when we saw it, it was just a big white blank space, wasn't it, that well, he was standing in? Charlie, the the interesting part about this episode is um, Ben's timeline is different to Jake's timeline. So So because he got struck by that surge, he actually was thrown out of the timeline, out of out of the regular, you know, timeline. So what might seem like him being in decades of oblivion was actually just minutes for him. So yeah, so so he was flung back and forth in while being a part of that oblivion. So he actually wasn't in there for a long time in his perspective. But for Jake, it was years. It was years and years and years of having no dad and then the dad coming back and then no dad and then so yeah, and I guess they're both really awful places to be. Neither of them getting to move on with their lives. Neither of them getting to um, uh, be able to make sense of what's going on. Um, I find that time thing really fascinating. There's a sense in which um, Ben Cisco was pushed out of time uh, into a place where he could, he was he was still stuck in a linear sense because he was bouncing backwards and forwards. They described it like an elastic band. But um, but uh, I, I sometimes think, and, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast, I, I sometimes think about God and time, and um, we talk about God as being outside of time, but unlike Ben Sisko, having the power to be able to visit any time or, or see any time that, that God wants to. And so um, Ben Sisko certainly didn't have that power. He was at the mercy of the tether that was actually pulling him backwards and forwards to be with Jake. One of the big questions that I have is if the if the timeline completely changed, does that mean that, well, one, does that mean that Jake published the books um, that the writer's note of, of the writer's notes that he gave to Melanie does that mean that he kept his wife or does that mean that he like so did he get a sense of whole so you know how um I I actually I think I think he did but I think he I think he didn't he didn't get it in the way that I think that you would expect um or that or that you're um hoping for i think he more than anything wanted to grow old with his dad uh watching him be a part of the life um his life and several and almost every single time cisco um well uh ben comes back into jake's life he goes stop trying to fix it tell me what i've missed tell me everything tell me you know 
How's your wife? How's your family? How's your job? How's your career? How's your books going? And you can see that Jake's had this realisation where he's been so caught up in, in trying to fix it and he's been tr- so caught up in, in trying to get his dad back that he let go of his wife and he stopped publishing books and he changed his career path entirely so that he could get his dad back. And and so there's, there's a... And you can see that Jake kind of feels a little defeated because because he his goal isn't the same goal as as Ben's goal anymore at the moment. Mm. So yeah, I think the fact that um, Ben makes it clear, he goes, "Look, we're not going to get out of this. We're not going to change this. this. Is this isn't going to be fixed? So just enjoy what you've got and tell me what you've got and and and." tell me what I've missed out on so that I can feel a part of it. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think I really do appreciate when that episode ends because, because Jake finally figures out that he, he has been the tether to Ben and he's been the tether to why Ben Cisco is stuck in that, in that, um, in that time, in that subspace, in that time loop, in that subspace time loop. So, um, so he is dying and, and, and he goes, well, you know, this will fix everything and we'll go back to where we were. You'll be unlinked. I will die. Like this variant of me will die and our, and our time will be reset and I'll be 18 again or, you know, and, and it'll be back at the defiant. So. And I, I love that you've used the word variant there because for me I was thinking like if they didn't resolve this by themselves, um, then I half expect that the time variance authority <laughs> was going to show up and actually, you know, reset the timeline yeah. because the the reality is with 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 Cisco being caught, sorry, Ben being caught in the subspace place and being tethered to to Jake but Jake also being tethered to Ben, neither of them got to live their sacred timeline. Yeah. Neither of them got to live the life that was actually um, best for them. Um, they both lived limited half-lives yeah. Um, yeah. because because they, they were actually um, both being um, stuck um, by the position of the other. Uh, and so, you know, I would have loved to have seen the, the, the TVA show up and actually, you know, reset the timeline and say, no, this is not supposed to happen. So none of that. So in answer to your question, Charlie, I think none of it from that point onwards happens, but all of it has the potential to happen. Uh, and I really, for me, I really loved seeing um, Aaron Eisenberg um, uh, playing Nog and and seeing his story grow and progress, um, seeing him make captain, seeing him in a position of authority, um, growing to be an adult, uh, and and even having um, I guess authority um, over over Doctor Bashir and Judzia Dax, um, which which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah, I think watching watching that entire episode, uh, we talked about this earlier, but watching that entire episode, I related to Nog or Jadzia or um or Julian a lot more than I related to Jake. And I think and, he, and even, even Kira who who has that really yeah, deep conversation yeah, I, with him. I yeah. think I think, you know, when you especially when Kira is talking about how it's best for him to move on and how how Deep Space Nine is is a haunted place now. And um and and could resurface that trauma. Little did they know it was actually the connection between Jake and Ben. But I I I have been in that situation where where a friend of mine not necessarily in that exact situation, but I have been in a in a type of situation where one of my friends has lost a parent or lost a or lost a very close one and they're going through a grieving process and they want to stay there and they want to fix it and they want to try and resolve it when it can't be resolved and mm. you just need to move on. And so you see you see them slowly decline and 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 they they lose their job or or they lose the relationship that they had or or they or they stop losing or they uh 
they stop having the relationships that they have with their other families or their other friends because they're so focused on trying to get over this grief, which is unclosed. And the best thing that you can do when it's unclosed is to, is to try and resolve it with time. And so I related to Nog in this situation because Nog had, you know, um, had, you know, pursued his dream and decided to continue his dream and decided to focus on his life and move on regardless of what his father, Rom, or or Quark decided to do. And so, you know, mm. um, he decided to go where he wanted to go and pursue his passion, which was going to the Starfleet Academy. And, and he succeeded gracefully in it. He became captain. Well, uh, did he end up becoming captain towards the end? Yeah. Yeah, well, he's definitely he was uh, a captain, and at the end, yeah, was oh, they yeah, flew out fine. to do yeah, the yeah. last so, experiment. So he he made it to captain with with, with old Judzia and, and old Julian. I just yeah. a little side note. I saw those guys, and I was like, that is wrong. <laughs> I don't know why. I did mm. not. Yeah. Well, I I had some sadness because because I mean, spoiler alert, but we know that Judzia never gets to be old. Yeah. Um, which um is really sad. Uh, Charlie, I'm I'm interested um, in terms of walking alongside or standing alongside friends who are who are hurting or having a tough time. Um, did you notice what are some of the things that Nog did um, to try and um, and 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 bring his friend back into 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 living again? Well, I will explain some of the key things that Nog did because. Nog showed real empathy for Jake. Next time we go ion surfing, remind me to keep clear of those whip curls. I don't know if I really want to try it again. You know, Jake, I'm going to be gone soon. We probably won't see each other for a while. I know. So, what are your plans? Well, uh, I was thinking of taking that deferred admission and uh, going to Pennington in the fall. Oh, that would be great! We'd both be on Earth together! But maybe I'll just stick around here. I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet. <sighs> it's late, Tom. I think I'll turn in. Okay. And I think that was one of my favorite parts to see. All those to times that Nog tried just made me feel so great. Yeah, yep. so he tried to take him to the holodeck. Yeah. yeah. Um, from the very from the very start, even when it happened, Nog was the best person. So he took him to the holodeck, um, and he even I loved when Nog hosted the celebration thing or when they did the celebration thing because mm -hmm. it made me feel so great and Jake looked so happy. Mm. And I think it's the best thing to do. If somebody's hurting, like Jake did, you try, you can try to make them feel the best. Mm. Or at least... And make sure they know they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought Aaron Eisenberg did a fantastic job. Now, I also was very, very keen on the, the role uh, Tony Todd... Uh, play now. Tony Todd is better known um, for horror films uh, than anything else, um, and best known for the horror film Candyman, uh, where he played the um, Candyman. Um, but uh, in this place, plays uh, an absolutely wonderfully gentle older man um, and uh, an obsessed uh, kind of middle-aged man um but did a really good job i thought he was a really good choice for um for the adult jake cisco um fascinatingly i remember watching it with you charlie and uh you said well uh nog doesn't seem to get any taller throughout the entire episode but that's that's because he's ferengi they don't grow very yeah, tall that, anyway that makes a lot of sense in my situation because uh, i feel like charlie you're growing like you're you're gonna shoot past me by the end of this year and i'm gonna Hi. i'm gonna be nog I'm almost as tall. Actually, scratch that sentence. I am as tall as Ellie. Uh, I think I'm a little taller. But I like an inch. <laughs> now, you know, um, Aaron Eisenberg, um, born January 6, 1969, um, was uh, already 
um, in his 20s, his early 20s when he was playing Nog. Um, and um, uh, the reason why he was so small um, is that he, um, from a very young age, was um, um, uh, quite sick uh, with uh, a number of different kidney infections and had kidney transplants. Um, and, uh, in fact, um, um, has, has died. Um, he, uh, he died on September 21, 2019, oh. um, in, in the USA. So, so, uh, he's, he's lived quite a, quite a, a short life, um, um, but, but lived it so well. Um, and, um, and so that's why he didn't get any taller because of, um, because of the, his illness, but. Um, I always feel very inspired when I see Aaron Eisenberg and I hear stories about him because uh, he didn't allow um, his his um, his illness to or or any of the things that afflicted him to actually hold him back uh, from doing things. And so there's quite a a strong message in this here where where um, Jake really allowed the death of his father or the non-death of his father to actually hold him back and and stop him from achieving things. Um, Nog, Nog uh, didn't um, do that, and, and neither did Aaron Eisenberg. Mm. He's a good man. So that's really lovely. He's a good man. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I wanted to uh, move on to talk a little bit about um, about change. Um, uh, Charlie, you've just started high school, haven't you? Um, and I guess uh, there's some exciting things about that change, but there's probably some scary things about that change as well. Yeah, look, everything, every, everything's like bigger. I have to carry books and we're not all in the same classroom anymore. Mm. I, and even with, even with friendships, there's lots of emotional changes going on. Everyone mm-hmm. is like it's sort of getting to the point where they're all. It's like a, you know how Elliot um, earlier on mentioned. I can do this. No, you can do that, but I can do better. I can't remember. Anything what he you said, can do, I but, can do better. Yep, that. Mm. Um, With the Vulcan episode, yeah. Yep. It's sort of like that in high school because you it's a lot even, more competition. You even notice all these competitions with random things like lines and lockers. Look, but some some of the exciting changes we have way more classes now. Mm. Yep. So change change in this particular episode. Um, really, Jake just um, stops all change. He he doesn't want to move on. He doesn't take his courses. He 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 just just is just I don't know sitting around um, waiting for waiting for the world to to change. Waiting for something to happen. Waiting for something. To, to, it's like he's he's kind of got to the end of his string and there's nothing else happening. Elliot, you you also had some big changes this year. You finished year twelve, um, and um, and I'm guessing over the summer and even up until just last recent weeks, um, you probably could resonate with that feeling of getting to the end of the string and not knowing what's next, um, and and being kind of stuck, just kind of letting each yeah, day pass. Yeah, I um. It happened quite suddenly, actually, because I, um, December was a very busy month for me. Like, there was, you know, being junior mayor, there was a lot of wrapping up, you know, fourth report meetings to go to and, and finalising at the youth council. And then there was also, um, graduation. And then there was also my, um, preparing my valedictory speech. And then there was also the awards night, which I was a part of as well, which I wasn't aware that I was a part of until, like, a few days before and and you know that all happened and then you know afterwards it kind of just uh it reached a, a cusp and then you know it dropped off and I was like well this is it now <laughs> I don't have school anymore and and as 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 ironic as it is school is straightforward and and predictable and uh, easy like it's it's a it's a it's a timetable that other people have prepared for you and all you got to do is attend the classes and pass them 
that's it. Whereas, uh, you know, I recently just enrolled myself into uh, a Bachelor of Counselling and, you know, I've got to make my own timetable. I've got to make my own study planner. I've got to make sure I get myself to the classes. I, you know, um, uh, I've got to make sure I do all the work. There's no homework periods. I've got to make my own homework periods. You know, there's there's so many things which 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 have just suddenly come into play. So... So yeah, a few weeks ago, definitely, I would have felt like there was it was I was kind of drifting in nothingness and waiting for something to happen. But, but in actual fact, it, it's the attitude of uh, I got to go get it. Like I can't just wait for it to come my way. I got to get it. So, um, yeah, which I think is something that um, I think is something that Jake didn't quite understand because he was playing a waiting game for most of that that episode he was waiting and he was hoping that something would drift by but but he was instead of um going and getting something which which mattered to him so yeah and that's what ben wanted him to do was to to get on with things to hold on to life to not let life pass him by but to actually get into it um and and i like i um i i, I kind of i'm interested in the fact that an, an opposite thing kind of happened that, that you know that that in this particular case hope that his father wasn't truly gone um actually took away his ability to live life to all its fullest that 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 hope for something that couldn't be was actually um uh, not a good thing i mean it's hard to think about hope is not a good thing well, isn't it i think Hope is, hope is something like um, fast food or, or something like, uh, uh, you know, lollies or things like that. It's something that should be taken in small doses, something that you should take in, in small um, periods of time. You shouldn't have it constantly all the time because otherwise you rely on it too much and then when you can't have it, you lose yourself like that's so i think i i i didn't actually that that analogy just came straight out of my head i <laughs> i wasn't quite sure about that sorry it's just i heard hope is like fast food and my brain went hope is hope hope is something that's <laughs> like not something that you can eat it's something that's like it, it gives you joy. It gives you this feeling of empowerment and pride. And I feel that sometimes hope is the thing that keeps you working. You know, there's sometimes when you just feel like you can't do this anymore and you want to lie down and sleep right there on the pavement. But you, but then hope comes along. Big ol' hope fast food comes along and it gives you that sense of empowerment and pride and joy and you just you can get up and you can start walking again and i guess there's a difference between uh i guess uh hope and and false hope um like you know sometimes we'll we'll say we'll walk up to somebody who's grieving and we'll actually say to them um, everything will be all right. Uh, or I've heard Christians say things like, you know, uh, there's a, a, a strip, scriptural quote that says, all things work for good for those who love God. And sometimes this is taken out of context and, and instead of actually um, being words that are helpful, these words of hope actually ring hollow. They, they kind of say, well, well, well no, they, this doesn't help me because it's, it's a false hope. Um, I guess if we're going to be caring for people who are grieving, we need to be prepared to do the hard work and actually look for look for for, for hope that lasts. Look for for hope in something that that is solid. Mm. Um, hope is like I was going to say something, but I think I forgot it. Um, yeah, I just remember what I was going to say. When you said false hope, my men, my 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 mind went to um, exactly what you just said. When people say things like "everything's going to be okay," if you want to be supportive, if you want to be helpful when someone's grieving, you need to be prepared to say 
this happens. Mm. It it takes time, and this is going to happen to everybody. I feel that you need grief or like some sense of aggravation or anger and it builds it builds character it mm-hmm. like all the negative stuff it helps you become better yep i um i i i find myself um my mind drifting to the story of job uh, in the bible who actually experiences a great deal of grief and suffering uh and uh, he loses all of his family and all of the things that are important to him um, and he has some friends come and visit him and his friends actually tell him it'll be okay or one of his friends says uh, you must have done something wrong to deserve this um, and and so you know th- there's this sense in which his friends actually offer him all of these these hollow hopes that actually because his friend who says you did something wrong to deserve this is saying well if we can just work out what that is and you can repent from it then everything will be okay. Uh, and and so we we get this story of Job, where we learn that when we're going to stand by someone who's suffering, that that it isn't actually about um, trying to make promises or trying to fix or trying to um, um, uh, make it okay, but it's actually about just just being with, just travelling with through the difficult situation uh, and that brings us back to nog again i mean and 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 really when we look at the the crew of deep space nine kira um nog um Jadzia, uh, even morn um stands by um uh jake and actually just tries to offer him a safe space in fact i love that scene where uh quark tells uh, Nog that he's got to go and pick up the barrels from the the cargo bay, um, and, he, and he can't. He doesn't have time to go into the holodeck with Jake. And then Quark has I know. compassion and says, "Oh, that's okay. Mm. You can do it." It was very yeah, strange. Yeah. But even 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 Quark is actually trying to recognise the suffering and stand by him in the suffering without trying to um, trying to trying to fix it or or, or yeah. assign blame. And I think. In terms of faith, I think faith can be a dangerous thing as well. Like, you know, in terms of having false hope and faith, I think there's, you know, hyperfixation is a very, is a very, um, uh, is a very strong theme in this, in this episode where Jake hyperfixates mm. on what he thinks is what he should do with his life. But instead, he realizes that he's wasted his life, and well, not wasted, but but like he's 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 hyperfixated on the wrong thing, and he's actually lost the meaning of life, and he's lost the meaning of 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 what he was supposed to do, or or what he should have done, and so you 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 know that story with the with the flash flood and and the and the guy who you know you know prays to to his God and, and, and hopes with his faith and hopes that he'll save him. And, and the, and the story of the, you know, the first boat that's got plenty of room and comes by and says, look, you know, hop on, there's plenty of room on this boat. You can come along. It's like, no, no, my God will save me. My God will save me. And so he continues to pray and the boat goes away and then another boat comes on and then, and that boat's a little more crowded and, you know, he goes, okay, we've got some room. You can come on if you want. And, and then he goes, no, 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 my God will save me. My God will save me. And then he goes away. And then there's a third boat, last chance. And the third boat has almost no room. He goes, look, we're very packed, but we could squeeze you in if you want. This is your last chance. And he goes, no, my God will save me. And so he, all the three boats go away and the man sadly drowns because of the flash flood. He goes up to, to, to meet his God and he goes, he goes, why didn't you save me? Like, why didn't I, I believed in you and God, and the, and the God goes, the God goes, um, they say, look at the three boats that I sent you. Like you've forgotten the meaning of, Mm. of, you've forgotten the meaning of what it means to be faithful. It's not about some kind of you know some kind of um divine power that comes and swoops down and and saves you it's about yeah yep <laughs> you know discovering the meaning in real life situations so and so with that in mind we can be so sure of what we believe 
and and think that we're doing the right thing when in fact if we're not prepared to actually have an open heart and an open mind if we're not prepared to actually um, allow ourselves to remain uh, teachable and curious and pondering then then we could with the best of intentions actually really hurt people um, and really cause a lot of damage to people which is something that you know um, that that myself as a as a young adult is actually coming to terms with quite hard like quite mm. quite um you know uh, over the past couple of months even even past couple of years i've i've kind of tread carefully around what it means to be spiritually active and what it means to be involved in things and 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 i've always you know i've grown up with two ministers for parents and you know around the church and and that kind of stuff and so there's this you know um you know i uh, I have this understanding of religion and I have this understanding of faith, but, but really over the past couple of months and years, I haven't really had much of an interest or that much of a passion towards it. But, but being a, being an adult and realizing that there's more to life than just school and studies and friends and things like that, having spirituality actually fulfills that, that empty space and that, and creates a bit of meaning that actually allows more time and more and more, um, I, I guess experience, and I did want to mention in that since we're talking about um, hyperfixation and we're talking about the way that hope and faith can can go astray, um, you were involved in a submission by the Uniting Church uh, to the federal government about the current religious discrimination laws that are going through the parliament well today um this day um this podcast will be released on on friday but today's wednesday and i mean i guess by friday we'll have a better knowledge of what happens there but uh did you want to talk a little bit about um being involved in that submission and 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 in some ways challenging the belief and faith of 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 um some of those who are in government at the moment it's a bit it's a bit tricky because um I understand how little my voice is compared to others, and I have a I, I, I don't know whether that's humility or whether that's just lack of confidence or whether that's you know a combination of the two. Other people might consider it as humility. I I'm not, I don't really care. It, it's you know it's about the idea that I put my effort into it, and I was surrounded by other people who put their effort into it, and and even though we did put our effort into it and we tried as hard as we could to actually make it a safe space and and uh, and uh, and an equal space uh, an equal uh, chair at the table for for trans kids and gender diverse kids as well as lgbt like youth in general um you know it it, it still wasn't enough to um allow that position it, it still wasn't enough to actually allow that to be uh, an impact onto the change in the religious discrimination bill and i find mm. that quite um i find that quite um unreasonable and i find it quite uh um uh, i feel quite hard done by by that because because i i think it's very important to actually show that um it's not necessary for religious organizations or people who practice religion or people who you know uh you know, are involved in spirituality in any way to have a bill that protects them from discrimination. Because, mm. you know, uh, y you've said it uh, multiple times today in your Facebook post and on your TikTok. <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, where, you know, love love is the law. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, you don't need a religious discrimination bill to actually provide protection for people who practice their own religions. And I feel like what, what we do need instead, and I feel like, um, the 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 bill you know in general has missed the point completely has hyperfixated on one denomination and actually has decided mm. to protect and provide for that one denomination when in actual fact there's actually multiple and Australia has to understand that the population in general is just very diverse in any possible aspect in every aspect and so you know a human rights bill or a human equity bill is you know, is a lot more charitable and a lot more understanding and a lot more necessary than than a religious discrimination bill, and mm. um and I think uh, I think that's just where you know, Parliament or you know the religious discrimination bill has missed its mark because it's just not necessary and and I think it's yeah, and I um I'd like to see it changed so. 
So we've uh, we've political we've gone deep into <laughs> politics now, but that's okay. Charlie, um, I mean, politics is um, probably uh, a few years away from you. You're you're uh, 12 years of age um, and uh, won't be voting for another six. But 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 certainly, um, um, it's uh, yeah, six years. You get to vote at 18, wow. which is very exciting. Um, so, um, but uh, look, one of the things I wanted to uh, also cover um, in the moments we've got left um, was uh, was from a father's perspective. Um, I, I couldn't help but but uh, recognise the expression on Jake's face when his father came to see him while he was busy writing. So, in the moments before he lost his father, Jake didn't have any time for his father at all. Um, that he actually uh, gave him this this death glare. It was like the side eye. It was like, you know, the um, all right, I will come and look at the stupid wormhole because you asked me to and I'm not interested in going and doing this thing. Um, there is a sense in which parents are really annoying sometimes, aren't they, when, they, um, when they're asking you to do <laughs> stuff that you – you don't really want to do. Charlie, do you want to tell us a little bit about how annoying parents are? I can, you can say whatever you want now. It's fine. I go. can do that. Uh, yeah, go for it. I feel like if I do, I'm upsetting both of my parents, one of which was on this podcast recording. But I'm... <laughs> it's a setup. It's a setup. <laughs> Um, no, go for it. You, you tell us because really you're not going to be saying anything that, that every kid is, is uh, had experienced with their parents, including me. Uh, well, yeah, I mean sometimes, um, sometimes parents and children, they just clash because there are sometimes when the two different people don't have time for each other or mm. they just – don't feel like it. They don't feel like it in the moment. Mm. And sometimes uh, all the – sometimes – okay, I'm going to say something here. Um, sometimes all the things that are said can make feelings feel a bit more – like yep. big, like – I know that my dad has said this many times, and apologies if this is not a nice thing to say, but sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel as if I am being pulled to do activities. Like in the moment, I'm not, but. When the moment finishes and, like, maybe a couple days after, I say something like, I wish we could have done something this week. Um, and I, I get sometimes that that's on me because I didn't take the um, thing and I've been working. Like, it's sometimes hard not to um, agree right there and then. Mm. But... Um, being told um, that there are many times when I've been told that I can do something is like it just it just kind of goes oh. like yeah yeah you just get that sense of wow. And sometimes we really, you know, in the moment we, we're being invited to do something but we've got some other plans and we're kind of going, nah, or, or maybe we're just feeling tired or demotivated or apathetic and we just don't want to do it. But then when we go, it's it's cool. Um, Elliot, you wouldn't know anything about um, being an 18-year-old son um, uh, resenting being asked to do things with his dad, would you? I mean, not resenting. I find that mildly inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but you know, th- there are times where you you have yes proved me wrong. Where uh, I one in particular was when we had all three generations and we were in Port Stephens and you said, "Ah, oh, let's go to the let's do this fishing trip. Like let's let's go out on this pontoon and we'll go fishing all day. We'll go do it. Yes, let's go. Let's do some fishing. We're gonna. Yeah, I love it when you get excited about certain things because you just. 
your eyes look like they're almost about to pop out of your head. They go, yes, let's go. Are you interested? Let's go. Let's go. And it was 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was not a fan. I am not a morning person. And so my initial instinct was to say, nah, nah, I want to sleep in. But, you know, I, um, against against my, my judgment, I decided to go. And, um, and I enjoyed it so much that we went back the next day on the same pontoon and I caught more fish than you and granddad. And I, I, I had found a new, a new skill. I had found a new passion of mine, a new hobby that I enjoyed, which was the hobby of fishing because it had delayed gratification and it was, and, and, and it was, and it was quiet and it was peaceful and you could just talk about anything. And I enjoyed that aspect. And so, mm. you know, there have been times where I have decided, you know, against it. I've, I have decided against my own instincts and I have gone, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just do it. We'll do it. It'll make him happy. <laughs> and, 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 and maybe reckon- I'll get something out of it. I reckon Jake, if he had known what was coming next, oh, yeah. like he he wouldn't have actually thought twice about going to do this thing with his dad, you know. Like, and and I guess there's a sense in which we we never know what's coming next. We never know what's just around the corner. Um, and um, and and we're funny creatures. We we sometimes in the mood in the moment we just say, "Ah, oh, look, I can't be bothered doing this." Like. And I even find that with with exercise, I've just started a new new thing on a Tuesday morning. I go for a nice big bike ride, and and for the last three weeks, every Tuesday morning, I've kind of said to myself, "Why did I decide to do this? I don't want to do this." But as soon as I get out there, I love it. I, I I'm so glad I went. And and it was the same. Uh, Charlie and I went for a swim in the surf on Sunday afternoon, and it was delightful. It took us a long time to find the right place to park and all of those kind of things. But once we got into the surf, it was amazing, uh, and we had the best experience. Yeah, it turns out Ocean Grove is a really place is is a really good place to go swimming. Also, yep, and- the one person who was really excited to go on a fishing trip, which the other person that was really excited to go on a fishing trip who wasn't dad was the person who didn't like it the most, which oh, I'm, I'm going to have to say was me because I found that being on a boat for the whole day doing the fishing, just I had to wait. And mm. I, 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 was, I was getting up and moving so much because I wanted some real spontaneous dopamine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, look, that's been a fantastic um, opportunity for us to talk through a whole range of different things. Um, I guess just to finish up with, um, the only aspect well, that we haven't really talked about is that of Melanie, who comes in the middle of the night um, to be uh, Jake's companion in the last hours of his life. She gets to hear the story uh, and what a privilege it is, although I, I I don't know about you, but it's part of the writing, but I thought it was a little bit weird that she stalked him to his house in the middle of the night. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, it's, I just, it's for uh, dramatic effect, like, you know, film and photography. It's, it's about, you know, the, the, the thunderous storms, the, the, uh, the angsty and, and, and gloomy backstory of how he kept, m- m- you know, re-losing his father and then that kind of mm. stuff in the rain and the thunder, it was all perfect. And so you had this naive, new, introduced person that wasn't a red shirt for once, which is great, um, you know, that, that... No, she doesn't die. She was she was our, <laughs> she was our Wesley Crusher in that situation. Mm. She was the one that actually helped us, us understand why we've got an old Jake and no Ben Sisko. And, you know, and so... I, I quite enjoy I, I I don't always enjoy those kinds of characters because they spell everything out for you but um in that episode in that instance I did quite enjoy it mm. what did you think Charlie I found that okay look Lee and Dan had a conversation at the car this morning he asked me who my favorite author is and he said um would you go to this person's house just to hear their story? And I said no. 
but who is who is your favourite author, Charlie? My favourite author? Uh, well, I've got a couple, but at the moment, my favourite author is not actually an author. Uh, is a game developer who make who made a couple of books. Elliot, you look like you know who it is. Who is it? The old one's out. No. Oh. I said game developer, not YouTuber. It's Scott Cawthon. Oh, right. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Made, I can't keep up with you anymore. Can't keep up with you anymore. Hmm. Well, you heard it first here. Um, Arthur C. Nicholas's favourite author is uh, Scott Cawthon. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, in um, you know, like one day maybe we might... Uh, um, be reading the books of uh, Arthur C. Nicholas. What do you think? It's a good author's name, don't you think? It is a good author's name. And trust me, I love writing. I love writing. Mm. Just that aspect this that aspect of getting in there and pouring out your creative ideas onto a page. It's like, you know when you have those pens, like those paint pens, and you press down on them on a page and the ink, and the paint just goes everywhere yep yep and you write like that which is really good so that's very exciting well look i have to say i am immensely proud of my sons um and um and uh, of of the the various ways that uh charlie you're writing and elliot you're politically active and uh advocating and um and counseling um so uh, you know and um and and um praxis who couldn't be here this evening uh immensely proud of uh, the way in which he's involved in uh working with people with disabilities uh and uh and 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 very envious of the fact that he's a professional dungeon master running uh dungeons and dragons adventures um, um I, tell me how you can get that job and i'll be in for sure um actually do we have time because i'm pretty sure praxis has actually sent me a, a uh um a, you want to bring him on a, bring a him document on. like a, a document of uh their thoughts their different uh oh, their different absolutely so yep uh, i'll yes. try and be as quick as i can um okay so the visitor um uh, first point is the post-intro scenes where Jake is riding in his room and is interrupted by his father is very reminiscent of hyperfixation or a simul- similar situation. Oh, he's on the same page as you. Uh, second point is there are clear signs of Jake's grief, the slower cadence, the ambiguousness of decisions, so going through stages of grief. Um, third point is it's an interesting position to see Nog again after so much time had passed, looking almost the same as before. So, mm-hmm. you know, difference in species or difference in, you know, writing or the fact that they couldn't get an older Nog, I, I don't know. They did yeah. wrinkle up his face a little they bit. They did. So. You could see that, but it was very minor because, you know, most of his face was wrinkly already. You could, you could also um, see that on Judzia and the um, others. They oh, look yeah. Exactly oh. the same, just like with the wrinkles in that. It was terrible. It's wrinkles. not the first time we've. It's not the first time we've seen an older Bashir. He was made old in a previous episode as well, where he um he got old inside his own brain. Those um, wrinkles gave me gave me chills, man. Uh, there's also there's also fourth point is as I was watching, I came to realise there is a very interesting parallel to being able to see family and friends briefly, whenever people leave for whatever reason, be at work or the time being up, especially in times like these, it can be so easy to fall into patterns of longing and obsession. So I think mm-hmm. that's quite nice because because it is very understanding, especially in times of COVID now, where visiting your family and your friends and that kind of stuff is very difficult to do. Um, so I, I quite understand it. You feel like you're stuck in two different timelines, for example, mm. right? Um, what, our, our, uh, our cousin, your niece, um, was born when it was, uh, 2020, was it? No. Ember, you mean Ember? Ember? Yeah. Yep. She was mm. born 2020. We've only seen her twice, once, yes, once. Once in yep. in the whole time that she's been alive, and so you know you do feel like you're a bit Ben Cisco because you come in and you're like, oh my gosh, she's you know she's a baby and you're coddling her mm-hmm. and now she won't stop speaking like she's she's verbal and yeah, she's yeah. walking and she's, you know, and you know maybe the next time we see her she's sixteen or you know she's got a driver's yeah, license yeah. you know there's this whole aspect of missing out on your seeing your friends and, and your family and likewise we went to see Nana 
during our holiday, and uh, and and she would have 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 noticed significant changes in the last couple of years since she's seen the two of you. Oh, definitely. Um, that that Charlie, you're taller, and that um, Elliot, your voice is a lot deeper yeah. than it used to be. Um, and and so there is that there, there for her there would have been that same kind of um, temporal mismatch experience too. Yeah, I, I love that. Praxis has brought some really interesting depth to our um, conversation. And then there's also specific. Um, Oh goodness! Um, specific. Uh, what's the right terminology here? Um, Questions. No, no, no. Specific people of the system. Uh, oh. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. Um. So. Alters. Yeah. Um. So there was also uh specific alters of the system. So I think Ico, Flynn, and Hank saw different things. So, uh, Ico saw um, uh, due to the way that our life is. Uh, Ico uh, didn't ever really watch anything alone. Uh, um, so, for example, during this episode, uh, Flynn saw the hyperfixations on various things throughout their life. Adam saw different facets of grief. Um, and Hank saw the sacrifice and the time it can take to uphold that and heal from that sacrifice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, now, if you'd like to know more about alters um, and um, uh, DID um, and and hear Praxis talk about that p- particularly, you can go back into last season and watch the episode Facets, uh, and you'll get to hear um, uh, Praxis speak firsthand about uh, his journey with um, um, DID. Um, and uh, the way in which um, he he has has been able to um, uh, navigate the world um, with that disorder. Um, was there anything else, Elliot? No, no, that that was it from from them. Yeah. Well, look, that's fabulous. I had no idea that he was going to send us a written submission, but that's wonderful that um, that they've been able to do that for us uh, and um, and to include that in there so uh, we can let him know that his uh, his uh, his written submission is there now um, that that makes me think that uh, if any of you out there um, would like to send in your written submissions you know what our timetable is with this we, we, we we're working on this each week so if you can if you're watching an episode ahead or two and you want to write something down and send it in to me at uh, never odd or even dot me at gmail.com um, then I would be more than happy to read out your written submission uh, in relation to an episode that's coming up that uh, you'd like to actually share about um, Likewise, um, if you want to make any comments, you can also do that uh, on the Never Odd or Even Facebook page. Um, and uh, don't forget uh, that you could become a supporter Patreon uh, at Never Odd or Even Media Patreon um, and um, and support us there um, and uh, be able to access the now many Patreon-only subscriber benefits that actually exist in that space, including being able to come along to live broadcasts um, um, and um, and receive uh, yeah, the access to those things. So uh, there's, there's my big plug for the end of the episode. Um, and um, I, I, uh, I'm really, really grateful to all of the fans that uh, have um, – that uh, – that, that have been so supportive. I can't believe we're into season four. Now, just before we finish, one last little piece of trivia that I only discovered when I looked in my handy-dandy Deep Space Nine companion book, which I'm holding up that none of you in the podcast can actually see. However, I noticed that in season four, the visitor comes in at episode three in the original release dates but it's in episode two in Netflix. And so the uh, episode um, called Hippocratic Oath, which we'll do next week, um, will actually be the episode that that, that was in there first. And I, I can see why in one way they've done that, because they've just brought Worf in as a new character for season four and then not used him at all in the second episode. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating Thing. Well, um, they did. Uh, sometimes they release they, the episodes out of out of context. They so. they did use him a little bit. It was just it was more around Jake and not about anyone else. So that's right. Yep, he was very new. So this was very much a Jake episode um, with uh, a sprinkling of Nog and uh, and an, an elastic band of Ben Cisco. Well, this has been the Deep Faith Nine podcast, and it has been wonderful. 
um, to have as guests my two uh, two of my sons, um, Charlie and Elliot, and um, I'm really grateful for you spending this time having a chat with me. So um, uh, thanks. Any final remarks? Yes. Yep. I'd like to say you're um, – you look like you look like a really loud Elliot. Am I really loud? Oh, okay. Um, your uh, talking of the submission form has made me think new podcast segment. Yes, it's a new sub- po- podcast. What shall I call it? Um, fan submission. Fan submission. It's a working okay. title. It's a working. A working title. title. Very, working very good. Title. Thank you. <laughs> Elliot, any final comments? No, I just uh, I really enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. So yeah, more than you thought you would. Yes, yes, as as yes, usual. Yes. yes, that's right. Okay, well, this has been the Deep Faith Nine podcast for Never Odd or Even, uh, and we'll see you next week for the next episode, which is called Hippocratic Oath. I've been Will Nicholas. Live long. And prosper. On a crowded beach in a distant time, at the height of summer, see a boy of five at the water's edge, so nimble and free, jumping over the ripples, looking way out to sea. Now a man comes up from amongst the throng, takes a young boy's hand, and his hand is strong. And the child feels safe, and the child feels brave. I just carried in those arms up and over the waves, deeper water, deeper water, deeper water. It's calling.